The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I just feel so lucky that I'm able to do this as a job. You know, my kids, every now and again, I'll say to my kids, um, I can't do X, Y or Z because mummy's working. And they say, mummy, making up stories is not a proper job. (laughs) And, And you know what? They're right. It's not a proper job. It's much better than a proper job. And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling author Claire Pooley spoke to me about rising from the ashes, writing as therapy, her nostalgia for the bygone commute, and her latest, Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting. Claire's blog to memoir deal, The Sober Diaries, was published in 2017 to critical acclaim. In her debut novel, The Authenticity Project, was a New York Times bestseller, Inspired by her own experiences, it's been translated into 32 languages, was a Radio 2 book club pick and winner of the RNA Debut Novel Award. Her latest, Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting, is described as a heartwarming story about the joy of friendships and the unexpected places they can be forged. Kirkus Reviews called the book a soothing story where bad things happen yet are overcome, and friendship leads the way to personal acceptance at rebirth. Best-selling author Mary Laura Philpott called the book a feel-good ensemble story for fans of quirky London set fare such as Ted Lasso. In this file, Claire and I discussed why making up stories is not a proper job. Wink, wink. Her unique creative process. Spoiler, it starts in the dark. Big magic and harnessing the creative muse. The necessity of coffee to the writing life. How she embraced the life of a writer warrior and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show 
by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. Okay, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I have New York Times bestselling author Claire Pooley is joining us today. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this today. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to be here all the way from London, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joining us from the London studio. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. Can't wait to talk about your latest and all things writing. How are you feeling about the the run-up to the U.S. publication of your latest? Oh, I'm excited, but it's it's always nerve-wracking as well. So, you know, when you, you first sort of send your baby out into the world, it's, uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little bit terrifying too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand you've got a raft of uh, kind of like virtual events coming up, and, and of course you're um, doing some press and publicity. So you must be exhausted, but um, we appreciate you taking the time to talk about your path and journey as an author and what I find to be a very inspiring journey. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, your your superhero origins as a writer, because, you know, I understand you had a quite a lengthy career prior to becoming a full-time author. And then, um, yeah, kind of this, this interesting transition from uh, blog to bestseller now. Uh, yeah. So, so I was, in advertising for uh, nearly 20 years. And, um, you know, writing was always something I longed to do, but, you know, life got in the way and I had this really busy job and um, I had three kids. And I got to the point seven years ago where I realized that the way I was dealing with all the balls I had up in the air was by using alcohol as a sort of way of self-medicating so with all the, all the stress and what have you. And my uh, drinking had got sort of really completely out of control. And I realized that I had to stop. I had to stop drinking. And I was so ashamed of the situation I found myself in and the fact that I had this terrible addiction that nobody knew about, uh, that I was unable to to talk to anyone in real life. Um, I didn't talk to my family. I didn't talk to my friends. I was far too scared to go to AA. And uh, But I knew I had to do something. I knew that I had to sort of find some form of therapy. So I decided to start writing a blog. That was that was my form of therapy, really. Mm. And I poured out the real truth about my life and everything I was going through on this blog, which I called Mummy Was a Secret Drinker. Mm-hmm. And I gave myself a pseudonym, which was Sober Mummy. And I wrote every day um, in brutal, sort of honest terms about hmm. what was going on. Yeah. And uh, and after a year um, of being sober and writing, uh, my life had completely transformed and the blog had gone viral and transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people who read it. Um, and people started saying to me, you should turn this into a book. So I approached um, a number of publishers and ended up publishing the story as a memoir called The Sober Diaries. Mm-hmm. And 
And that really kicked off, you know, restarted my my love of writing. Hmm. And uh, once I started writing, I just didn't want to stop. In fact, I couldn't stop because by then it became my new passion, my new therapy, my <laughs> new, you know, it was it filled the hole that alcohol left, really. And so having published the memoir, I then turned to fiction and published The Authenticity Project, which amazingly was a New York Times bestseller. Um, and now Iona Iverson's Rules for Commuting, which is my second novel. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to talk about your second novel. And of course, as you mentioned, The Authenticity Project was a bestseller, an award winner, um, translated into 30 some odd languages now. And uh, yeah, widely uh, praised. And it seems like um, the reception of your latest is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, this, uh, again, this kind of raft of blurbs is, is inspiring to see a, uh, described as a heartwarming story about the joy of friendships and the unexpected places they can be forged course, I thought, uh, I'll just mention a couple. Uh, a book list said, another joyous tale about the serendipitous friendship and seizing each day with vigor. The epitome of a feel-good book does also laugh out loud. Hilarious. Talk a little bit about how you chose kind of, again, this like ensemble uh, piece that's tinged with humor, but really kind of is looking at, at you know, almost the, kind of the heart of like connection and community right now in a, in a time fraught with uh, divisiveness. Um, yeah, well, you know, I was writing this this story during the pandemic, and you know, i i started I started thinking back to the days when I used to commute to work on the sort of trains and buses and and the London Underground, and you know, I I look back on those days really fondly because I was mm. you know by this point we were all in our individual little bubbles, and you know, I was sort of really yearning for for the those times when we crowded together with a whole bunch of strangers without masks and, you know, without any fear. And, and I remember those days of commuting and I remembered how I used to see the same people over and over again, but yeah. we never, and I would give them, I would give them little nicknames and I'd imagine what their lives were like, but we never hmm. talked because, you know, that's, that's not what you do on London and, you know, in London transport is absolutely against the rules. <laughs> you don't even make eye contact. We're very buttoned up and repressed like that over here. Yeah. Um, and that really was, was the idea for the, for the book, because I started thinking, well, what would happen if you broke those rules and did talk to people on the train and what might happen then? And, and that was the idea for, for the story. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And of course, talk about yeah i mean it kind of it kicks off with kind of an, an inciting incident and um as you mentioned you know and i think i think new yorkers are similar i think there's this kind of unspoken like wall of of privacy that people put up because everyone's so kind of crowded into into these small spaces but yeah it seems like you know it, it, even in real life you know like deep friendship or true friendship kind of usually comes out of some kind of inciting incident or you know um Talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of the, you know, how you came to uh, this story. Yeah, well, you know, many years ago, I was on the London Underground and there was this guy sitting opposite me who was dressed really smartly. I think he was probably a banker and he, but he looked really ill. And as mm. we, the journey went on, he looked more and more ill. He was going green and he was sweating a bit and everyone was looking at him askance. You know, but mm -hmm. Nobody said anything. And he had this really smart leather briefcase and he uh, 
picked it up, put it on his lap, opened it, and then he vomited into it. Oh <laughs> and then he closed it again and <laughs> got off the train and nobody said a word. And <laughs> and I sort of thought, well, what would it take for to actually get people talking? If that isn't, if somebody vomiting into their briefcase isn't enough, oh what would it take? And so the inciting incident in the, in the first chapter is um, one um, of the characters, very much like my guy on the tube, actually, is very smartly dressed banker who <laughs> Iona gives the nickname uh, Smart but Sexist Manspreader. Um, he uh, is eating a fruit salad um, <laughs> on the train and he gets a grape stuck in his throat and he can't breathe and it looks as if he's about to die and they try thumping him on it on the back and he can't dislodge this grape. And Iona sort of calls out, is there a doctor on the train? And uh, and there isn't, but there is a nurse and uh, called Sanjay. And he comes up and gives uh, the banker a the Heimlich maneuver mm. and saves his life. And that is the instant that starts to get them talking. But even then, it doesn't happen immediately because that's not the way it would work in real life. It just starts to create connections and one thing leads to another leads to another so you know it takes a while before they all start interacting but uh but when they do extraordinary things start to happen well congrats on the work and uh the title again in the u.s here is iona iverson's rules for commuting i believe that the uh the british title is the people on platform five and that's uh, right yeah and congrats um you must be feeling pretty good about its reception. How are you feeling about, yeah, you're, how are you feeling about your writing process as it stands today? I just feel so lucky that I'm able to do this as a job. You know, I my kids every now and again, I'll say to my kids, um, I can't do X, Y, or Z because mummy's working. And they say, mummy, making up stories is not a proper job. <laughs> and and you know what? They're right. It's not a proper job. It's much better than a proper job. It's sort of, you know, it's it's my passion. And I'm I am so lucky that I'm I'm able, people pay me to do it. Um so, you know, so thank you to everyone who has has, has bought and read and recommended uh, my my books because I am enormously grateful to you. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your process and when you're getting into, um, you know, kind of the flow state of of the true, you know, the peak of the novel writing piece for you. Talk a little bit about what a what a really prolific day looks like, or you know, like how that feels to you. What what type of a writer are you? Oh, well, you know, I I do the most creative bit of the writing when I'm half asleep in the dark. So hmm. um, it sounds a bit strange, but um, I wake up really early. So I wake up about five in the morning and I don't get out of bed immediately and I don't even open my eyes immediately, but I will start to play forward the next few scenes of the novel in my head. Um, and I'll see it almost like a film hmm playing in my head. Um, and the reason I do that is because I think that point where you're half asleep is such a 
creative time of the day and you think in a very different way from the way you think when you're being much more logical in the sort of you know in the middle of the day um and and sometimes uh sometimes it's sort of you know it it it's uh you know it, it makes you think in sort of in a, in a it, sometimes it's ridiculous and it doesn't work but sometimes mm-hmm. it's really magical and and you come up with extraordinary things that you would never normally be able to to imagine um so so yeah so i love that time when the rest of the world is asleep and uh and then having planned out in my head the next few scenes i'll then go down to um, my office and and start putting them down on the page so so I'll write from 5 a.m till about 9 a.m and and then later on in the day I edit but the sort of really creative time when you're coming up with new work I love to do first thing in the morning um and uh yeah sometimes and then you know you go away and you come back and sometimes you look at it and you think oh my god what was I thinking (laughs) Nobody is ever going to want to read hmm. that. And sometimes mm-hmm. you go back and look at it and think, God, I'm a genius. <laughs> and you're never quite sure which it is. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's hard and it feels like you're pulling each word out sort of individually. And sometimes it feels like you're not writing it at all. Somebody else is writing it and you're just doing the typing. And that's the really, those, those are really joyful times. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that kind of, it's almost as if you you feel as if you're kind of ch- channeling the work. Uh, yes, there's a fabulous book called Big Magic uh, by um, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you very much. Um, senior moment. So uh, <laughs> yes, Elizabeth Gilbert's um, book talks about that, uh, you know, the muse and and she gives examples, some wonderful examples of people who, um, who talk about uh, how they, they are just channeling this sort of, you know, this, this song or this poem or this novel from, from somewhere else. And it's a, it's an extraordinary book. I really recommend uh, any, anybody reading it who's, who wants, who's involved in the sort of creative process in, in any shape or form. Hmm. I like that. I'll put a link to that one. Um, I will, of course, also link to your home base there, which is clairepouli.com. You're on all the socials um, as well. But um, yeah, let's talk um, a little bit about, I'll give you a couple of fun ones. Do you, uh, are you a coffee or a tea drinker? <laughs> uh, coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. <laughs> So I don't think I could write without coffee. Actually, I think coffee is 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 like the petrol. Or actually, guess that you would say gas, right? <laughs> uh, so it's like the gas to the process. Um, so yeah. Yeah, right. The gas. We need to find an alternative fuel. We really do, uh, but mm. not coffee. I think we need to keep coffee. I just think we need solar. <laughs> uh, we need to use a solar. Yes. Um, it's the solar power to the writing process. That's, <laughs> that's far go. more ecologically friendly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, a, a little bit about the creative process, and I love this idea of um, you know finding a, a muse or, or you know chan- kind of getting to a place where it feels like you're channeling the work. Although I'm sure your subconscious is doing part of the work, as you mentioned, for you in that kind of liminal space between sleeping and waking there's something that's that that is awakening those creative channels for you but yeah um i don't know talk about 
I don't know. What do you think? What do you think makes a writer like truly great in your estimation? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, I I think I I think great writing for me uh, is when you are transported out of yourself. Um, so and and in fact, in fact, when you're that's great. You know, when when you're writing yourself and it's really working, you also have that feeling of being transported away from from real life. And you know, when you get really bound up in a in reading a story, and the characters become more real than the people around you, and mm. when you finish when you finish reading, um, you feel bereft. Uh, that's I think when you know that that uh, that you've read something really special. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, I mean, I read. I read so much. I read yeah. sort of, I read about three novels a week, probably. Wow. And as a result, I sort of, you know, I, I look, most of them I forget quite quickly. Um, and I know a novel is really special when it sticks with me and when I'm still mm-hmm. thinking about it a month or two later or even a year or two later. Um, and, and you don't come across them that often, but when you do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Can you... Um... Can you pick some out that you that have stuck with you of late, or just you know, kind of over time that you yeah, go back I mean, there's, to? There's one I've I've read re- very recently, which I know will stick with me a long time, uh, which is uh, Bonnie Garmuse's Lessons in Chemistry. Have you read that yet? Mm-mm. Uh, so that's a fabulous book, and Elizabeth Zott is a heroine who is truly unique, and I know I will remember for a long time. Actually, mm. she reminds me of an, a similar novel. A few years ago, Eleanor Oliphant's, um, mm-hmm. and you know Eleanor Oliphant's completely fine, mm-hmm. um, which came out about five years ago, and I've never forgotten Eleanor. She she again was a really really unique character. So oh, so right. those okay, two, yeah. uh, both a recent one and and a more distant one, are ones that really really uh, have stuck with me. And your work has actually been compared to the uh, the former. And let's see, I'm going to pull the quote. Um, I had it here. Oh, here we go. Oh, it was Booklist. The Booklist in a, in a start review said, uh, a not to be missed read in the mode of Gail Honeyman's Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Which was a real thrill for me, actually. Yeah. There's one book I would love to be compared to. It's that one. And I, I think the reason they made the comparison is because Iona, Iona Iverson is, isn't like Eleanor Oliphant, but she is equally quirky and different, <laughs> um, but in very different ways from Eleanor. Yeah. If, let's see. I got a fun one for you. If you could have any author from any era to your favorite uh, restaurant in the world, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh. Um, hmm. I think I mean, I'd like to go quite a way back, I think, and take somebody like i tell you what i like to take charles dickens Mm. who wrote about a very different sort of london uh from the way london is now to a very modern restaurant like the restaurant at the top of the shard um (laughs) because i think it would be fascinating for for him to see how the london that he wrote about has changed so much and yet in some ways is just the same Hmm. um and because he's a a huge hero of mine and uh yeah i think that would be that would be the most wonderful 
date night. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, what would you order? Uh, you see, I always find I always find ordering food in restaurants sort of really tricky because I don't like to be I don't like to be limited to sort of one or two dishes. So I tend to order all the starters on the menu between <laughs> between the the sort of people around the table, and then we can all have a little bit of everything. Okay, um, and which is sort of my philosophy on life to really have all the starters and sort of mix and match. And uh, yeah, so that's what I do. I'd order every starter and we'd have a bit of everything. Yeah, I like that as your credo of <laughs> all the starters. Well, before we wrap up here with your uh, advice to your fellow scribes and just how to, how to persevere through, through tough times or, you know, through good times, um, you know, you've had some, you know, kind of, it, it inspires me that you've kind of had this from the ashes, uh, the Phoenix Rising uh, story as, a, as an author and you know, it, it kind of, it seemed, it sounds like you, you followed your, your bliss and really found, you know, kind of a new life and in, in writing and, and that you are grateful that you're there now. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think having been through those sorts of experiences, so dealing with the addiction and, and then actually, uh, about the same time I was diagnosed with breast cancer so I got through all of that as well and it was a really tough time but when I came out the other end it gave me this sort of ability to think um, you know what's the worst that can happen you know it enabled me to push myself outside the comfort zone because you have this sort of sense of you know we uh, who knows how much time we have who knows sort of what is around the next corner and if you have something you really want to do like write a novel get on and do it and the very worst that can happen is that nobody will want to read it but you if you enjoy writing it anyway it doesn't matter you know there is sort of and and that's I I'm so much more courageous now than I was um, I never would have had the courage to write a story and put it out there if I hadn't been through mm. that sort of learning process. Um, and I'm so glad that I did. So my advice would be step outside your comfort zone and, you know, don't, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? What have you got to lose? Well, you're a, a writer warrior and um, congrats on all of your successes in all the different spheres of your life. And Thank uh, you. definitely congrats on the latest Iona Iverson's rules for commuting i will um mention the rules but uh you know nobody the, the the blurb is that nobody ever talks to strangers on the train it's a rule but what would happen if they did and here are I, I iona iverson's rules for commuting okay can i read these uh really quick with you oh, on? Yes, oh, okay. do. uh one you must have a job to go to that's a good one uh two never talk to strangers on the train three don't consume hot food Four, never give up a seat once occupied unless A, it's for a pregnant lady, B, it's for someone old or infirm, C, Iona tells you to, and five, always pack for any eventuality. Claire, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate your, uh, your time, your wisdom. Oh, I wanted to mention one quick, last quick blurb. I thought this was very cool uh, that you were compared to Ted Lasso, but um, 
Uh, Mary Laura Philpott, the best-selling author, uh, had said that this feel-good ensemble story will bring joy to readers who love, who loved anxious people, and and of course Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Not to mention fans of quirky London set fair such as Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Have. I love Ted Lasso. So again, that made me very happy. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I yes, I, I love that comparison. <laughs> I thought that was great because I didn't know that. Uh, of course, of course, British folks are watching Ted Lasso. Are they watching Ted Lasso? I have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's because. You know, he's he's on our turf, isn't he? <laughs> he's <laughs> so, a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's a fish in our pond. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And and some amazing talent there on that show. Um, any any uh, adaptations while I still have you on the line in the works for any of your IPs? Oh, well, um, the uh, I've I have sold the film and TV rights for the Authenticity Project, mm. uh, my previous novel. Um, so uh so hopefully something is uh, in the works there and uh, still in negotiations on the, this latest one. Well, we will keep our eyes and ears peeled for those. And again, thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, best of luck with all of your publicity. Uh, thank you. It's been lovely to chat. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. And scene. We did it. Hooray. <laughs> Thanks, Kelton. You're you a star. Thank you. I'm going to hit Thank stop you. here.